You know, on Christmas, we obviously pause to celebrate and remember the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the Bible's record, as we read the historical events here from different passages in between those songs, surrounding the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's pretty obvious that there was a lot going on for Mary and Joseph. There was some exhausting traveling. We talked about that Sunday morning, how Mary and Joseph, these human parents given the stewardship of the Lord Jesus Christ had to make this long journey either by foot or on donkey through rugged terrain about 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem where Jesus had been predicted to be born at so they could fulfill the prophecy of scripture. There was also a lot of emotional experiences going on that first Christmas. Uh, Certainly there was this speculation about this pregnancy of this young virgin girl Mary who had miraculously conceived the life of the Son of God, but as is to this day, not everybody was believing that story. And certainly there was speculation and difficult things with this pregnancy that Mary had. There was a mixture of joyful celebration as well as painful disappointment. As they gave birth, there were actually told in what would be not much better than probably a cave or a stable filled with Uh, animals and having to lay the Lord Jesus in a feeding trough, this dirty, unhygienic situation to give birth to this child who was known to be the Son of God. And no doubt in that first Christmas, there was the experience of some joy mixed with some grief mingled together with it as well. On top of that as well, they were just like we do, entertaining visitors and guests. And we all love that at Christmas season, right? Before Mary probably had much time to gather herself after she gave birth to Jesus. We read in the Bible's narrative, probably couldn't even put herself together and get ready. And now all of a sudden these strangers show up. The shepherds show up for a visit to see this new child that had been born. And like some visitors, they probably hung around a little too long. I'm sure that happened to them as well as it does to some of us sometimes. Yet while all these things are going on and all this activity, the Bible says that Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. One translation of that verse says, Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. In other words, in the midst of all the busyness and all the activity that was going on, traveling, lack of adequate rest, entertaining guests and you know, dealing with different ranges of emotions, she still took time to personally ponder within who the Lord Jesus actually was, to think about the Son of God, to take a little bit of time to have a quiet moment to think about who Jesus was and why he did come. And, you know, over 2,000 years later on this Christmas holiday, uh, things haven't changed a whole lot. I'm sure it is certain for most of us in this room this morning, to some degree, there's still a lot of activity connected to the Christmas holiday and the celebration. There's a lot of busyness that goes on this time of year. There's traveling. There's just all the extra activity that goes along with the holiday season. Uh, There's the lack of sleep for some of you who still have small children. I'm beyond that now. I have adult children. Thanks be to God. Uh, But God gives you the grace because there's that lack of rest that happens right at the Christmas season time. It's also a highly emotional time for a lot of people. Christmas can be filled with great joy, but then sometimes it's also mingled with tremendous grief. And there's difficulties when the holidays come, missing a loved one or dealing with challenges, maybe loneliness or things not being the way that you wished. 
this Christmas holiday. And there is that kind of mixture of emotions and then the visitation schedule. My encouragement to you this afternoon is this. In light of the holiday, don't miss the opportunity, as it says about Mary, to just take time somewhere and just ponder Jesus. Just think about who Jesus is. Do a little spiritual pondering and think through some things. Take time, as the Bible says, to behold the Lamb of God who was sent to take away the sin of the world. Take time to just pause and say thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And in order to do that, I want to just deposit, if I could, one verse into your mind this afternoon that maybe would be good to meditate upon. It comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'm going to read it to you. We put it up on the screen since the lights are dim so you can see what verse I'm going to be reading. It says this, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, of peace. You know, that one Bible verse has a lot of great content to do a little pondering over the Christmas holiday here. It gives to us one of over 300 predictions about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he would fulfill when he came to this earth as a man. God in advance, 700 years before Jesus of Nazareth ever came to this earth, predicted all throughout the Old Testament scripture over 300 unique and specific things that he would do in his birth, where he would be born, how he would be born, the events surrounding it, what his life would be about, what his ministry would accomplish, things about him and what he would do, the mathematical probability of a human being coming into the world and fulfilling over 300 predictions is difficult to even comprehend. And Jesus did that in just his first coming because the life of Jesus Christ is credible. We put a lot more stock and credibility in people who have way less validation and credibility than the Lord Jesus Christ himself had when he came, validating that he was who the Bible said he was, the Son of God sent from heaven into this world. And God, hundreds of years in advance, predicted things about him. This is just one of the prophecies the Bible gives to us when God promised to send his deliverer for his people. Remember, we read it earlier, and God said to Joseph about this life that was conceived in the womb of Mary, this woman he was engaged to be married to, that this was of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Reminding us again that the greatest universal need of every person is to receive the gift of the forgiveness of our sins. That's the one universal gift that everybody in humanity needs. One size fits all there. It doesn't matter if you're 12 years old, if you're 6 years old, 18, 35, or 65. We all have one thing in common. We all fail. We make mistakes. And that guilt lies in our life, and we need the forgiveness of our sinfulness before God. That's why we carry that guilt, and God wants to remove it. That's why Jesus was sent for us, to offer us the forgiveness of sins. And our prophecy begins here by declaring the incarnation of Jesus. Look what it says right in the beginning of the verse there. It tells us, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. 
Now, when I say it declares the incarnation, what that refers to, that Bible you know, reference of, a, of an event that happened, the incarnation speaks of how God became a man. God became a human being. He took upon himself human flesh and a human nature. It does not describe a man becoming God. It describes God becoming man. The time in human history when God himself, the eternal God, took upon himself a second nature, a human nature. And he came and lived among us as a man, the eternally existent God, retaining his deity, took humanity to himself. First Timothy three sixteen says, Great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. And here Isaiah is describing the dual nature of Jesus being both God and man. That's why it says first of his humanity for unto us a child is born. That speaks of Jesus's humanity. Unto us a child was born. Isaiah 7 predicted that the Lord himself would give a sign that the virgin would conceive miraculously and bear a son, and they would call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. That as God, by a miracle, would place the life of his eternally existent son into the womb of a virgin woman so that she might give birth to a son, to a man, who would be fully human. So that Jesus came into this world just as every other person does. He was born naturally, lived in a human body, and experienced everything that we do. Hunger, pain, cold, mistreatment, all the things that we do, temptations, feelings, stress, grief. Jesus took upon himself human flesh to experience everything that we do as human beings in a humble means. But not only was a child born, and that speaks of his humanity, but also it says as well, notice that a son was given. That speaks of Jesus' deity, that God the Father was giving to us a son, that a child was being born, that was his humanity, but also something was coming from heaven. God the Father was giving to us his son, the eternal son of God from heaven. Remember, the Bible tells us, John chapter 3, most of us know this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life god was giving to us his son to live on the earth for a time to be amongst us to accomplish wonderful things and it says that was given notice unto us god lovingly graciously gave a gift to us christmas is about giving it's about giving of the gift that God gave, the greatest gift, the indescribable gift that God gave his son to be among us that we might know God more fully because Jesus came and revealed God to us. You want to know what God is like? God came and revealed himself in the person of Jesus. Don't ask other people what God is like. Look at Jesus Christ because that was God dwelling among us. That's how we know what God is truly like how Jesus lived because Jesus was God living among us and that Jesus might save us from our sins because God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And notice Jesus's ultimate eternal destiny. His ultimate destiny, it says, verse six there, the government will be upon his shoulder. Now when we read the word government, it speaks of rulership or reigning. And it reminds us that was the destiny of Jesus to reign over the affairs of this world. And one day, the same Jesus who came humbly to this earth is going to come back in all power and glory and reign over this earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
And he's going to put an end to all rebellion of humanity and all evil and all rejection of God and the ways of God. Everything that's corrupt and failing, Jesus is going to come back and reign over that. But today, Jesus wants to reign over our hearts. He wants government over our lives. He wants to be Lord in our life and to reign over our heart. And those of us who are wise and willing to humble ourselves realize that king that one day is going to reign on this earth, it would be prudent to let him just begin reigning in my heart and life now. I found he does a much better job ruling over my life than I do. And Jesus wants to reign in our lives. It tells us here that his name shall be called. And whenever the Bible uses the word his name, it's a representation of who a person is. When I say somebody's name, you think of their face or their recognition. A name represents someone's identity. And so as it says, his name, it's a reference to aspects about Jesus. So wanting to further define who Jesus is, we get multiple titles here in this verse about our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just describing what Jesus was like, but these terms actually describe who he is. Notice, first of all, it says, he shall be called, see that first word, wonderful. And that's not an adjective in the original language. It's actually a noun. It refers to something marvelous or astonishing. It speaks of what Jesus was and who he was. He was astonishing. He was wonderful. Everything about him. Jesus is a wonderful person in every way and a wonderful experience it is to have a relationship with him. And all of his ways were wonderful. What he did was astonishing. It was astounding. And so God wants us to be reminded, indeed, to know Jesus personally, to be in a relationship with him as Savior and Lord is wonderful. And the more you get to know him, he just gets more wonderful, does he not? And it just gets more wonderful to realize his love and his patience and his kindness and his help. Jesus and having a relationship with the one who is wonderful allows us to find truly that perfect person that we're all searching for. The one who never disappoints us. The one who always can satisfy us. No other person can do that on this earth. But Jesus can. Sometimes we're living out life and we're very dissatisfied with certain relationships in our life. Listen, there's one person that you can have a relationship with. You will be fully satisfied because he's wonderful in every way. He'll fully satisfy every desire of your heart and fill the void within. And to walk with him leaves us just marveling. Lord, you're so wonderful. It's amazing. And to see how he works at times, we just stand back and we're astonished. We go, wow, Lord, it is just wonderful the way that you work. It tells us as well that his name would also be called counselor. That is someone who would give advice and guidance. Someone who would give direction. Jesus said, he who follows me won't walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And how wonderful that Jesus is this wonderful person who's also a wonderful counselor indeed. Because so many of us journey through this life, living in darkness, trying to figure out life's true purpose. So many in this world who don't know the Lord and are just trying to chart their own course and rule over their end life. And, and they don't even realize that their eyes are wide open physically. They can see, but they're living in a sense internally blinded in darkness. And they're wandering through life trying to figure out what is the meaning of this existence. What is the purpose of life? And there's this constant nagging emptiness within because they're trying to find true direction, which can only be found in Jesus. Because that's what we are made for, a relationship with him, a relationship with God. 
And Jesus leads us through all we have to face on earth. How wonderful that we have a constant counselor who gives good counsel when we go through things. And he gives us wisdom and guidance. And Jesus becomes the answer to all of our questions. He's a wonderful counselor that we all need in our lives, that we don't have to turn to this, to that, to all these other things, because there's a divine counselor who can help you with all your issues, can help me with all my problems. He's a great listener, and he's a wonderful counselor. He's not only that, but it says also that he's the mighty God. That is, he came humbly, but he was God Almighty, the mighty God, an awesome God with great power. And to have Jesus in your life is such a wonderful thing because it means that you don't have to rely on just your own power to handle everything because the mighty God is with you. And by his power, he can do things that you are unable to do to help you overcome sin or struggles or life-dominating habits and things that would just overcome you. The mighty God within you, Jesus, helping you can enable you to do things you could never do in your own strength by his mighty power. It tells us as well that he's not only the mighty God, but he shall be called the everlasting father. And indeed, Jesus was one with the father, but the language there literally indicates As it says, everlasting father in the English, it could be better translated the father of all that is everlasting. The idea is that Jesus was God. A father is a source and an origin. The idea is he is the source of everything eternal, everything everlasting. He's the father of everything that's everlasting and eternal, which means this. The only way to receive everlasting eternal life to dwell in heaven is from the one who can give it to you, and that's Jesus. You can't earn it. We receive it as the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus gives us that eternal, everlasting quality of life. And finally, fifthly, he says there that Jesus also would be called Prince of Peace. And, you know, one day that's going to happen literally when he comes back and he reigns on this earth and he subdues all that's wrong and he exercises his righteous rule. There's going to be true peace on this earth. But, folks, let me tell you something. There's never going to be true peace on this earth until Jesus returns. There will be a measure of chaos. There will be aspects of difficulty and pain and problems as people live in rebellion to the Lord. Yet in this world with terrorism and bigotry and difficulty and pain and sickness and problems and disappointments and unstable economies and evil and all of these things, I am so glad, I hope you are too, that there is a place where you truly can find peace. And that is by knowing the prince of peace and allowing that prince or ruler of peace to bring peace to the throne of your heart. The only place that you can find peace on earth, goodwill toward men like we sing about, isn't in the world. It's within yourself. As Jesus reigns on your heart, he gives you peace. He gives you peace within that you're longing for. How wonderful that Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, can produce peace within us. He can calm the storm in our soul. He can give us rest even when we're going through difficulties and hardship. You know, so many times people are just struggling, 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 and they they live in constant conflict. And I've said to people before, listen, your life is never going to stop being in constant conflict until you solve the battle within And the battle within is waving the flag of surrender to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need to let you rule over my heart. 
I need to let you be in control. And the Prince of Peace comes in and he gladly takes over and he brings peace. Peace. That's the greatest gift. Peace. To know that you have peace inside and more than that, that you are at peace with God. The Bible says that we can be at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is that God is not angry at you. He's not upset with you because your sin debt has been settled. And that's something we all need to do at some point is to make peace with God before we depart because our sin puts us at enmity with God. But Jesus can forgive our sin. And if we embrace Jesus Christ, we can make peace with God and be at peace with him. What a wonderful gift offered to us. What a wonderful thing to celebrate that that is why Jesus came and to understand that. Listen, this evening, if you're a believer, may you ponder those things afresh and appreciate them. And if you're here tonight, maybe someone invited you or you're in church because it's Christmas. That is fantastic. You made a wonderful decision. You could have been doing lots of other things on this night. I realize that. But I want you to know something this evening. It's one thing to acknowledge the life of Jesus with your head. It's another thing to embrace Jesus personally by truly opening up your heart and life to him. And it is when you open your heart to Jesus and believe upon him for yourself and receive him into your life, then these things become your reality. You experience them for yourself. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?